Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. Awesome. Happy Sunday. A couple things before we jump in. Coming off of Christmas services uh, and just the holiday season, we have just a lot of new faces, uh, friends and family, people who are coming to check us out and come and engage, get connected to the life of the church in this season. And, um, and we're really excited for that. In order to serve you better, there's something we do called Growth Track. We do it on the second Sunday and the third Sunday. Today being the second Sunday is an opportunity for you if, you, if this is uh, something you're trying on, trying to figure out this is a fit, or you just want to get connected to the life of the church. This is your next step. After the 1115 service today, There'll be lunch and childcare, all that good stuff. I lead through step one. Our team leads through uh, in tandem step one, step two. It's really a conversation around your purpose, your gifts, the things you're passionate about, ways that you can get connected to the life of the church. And we'd love to see you there if you haven't been a part of that. That's a, that's a great next step for you. Um, we've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting starting Monday. And I've talked to different people who are fasting different things and, and who are setting some distractions aside and who are just spending more time seeking after the things of God, praying, asking God to show up in their lives, in their marriage, in their homes, in their family, their place of work, your vocation, your finances, whatever you need breakthrough in. God has it for you on the other side of surrender, on the other side of humility, on the other side of prayer, I promise you. This week we did two services on Tuesday, Thursday. In the morning we had people roll up in here. I promise you both days it was awesome. We had uh, a couple songs of worship, a devotional element, but the bulk of our time is spent just praying. If you have never been I'd encourage you to come uh, to a morning prayer service and just pray, pray with your family, pray with your spouse, pray by yourself, um, but you can come and pray first, and it just changes the rest of your day. It's like the best day ever after you come and you worship Him first. It's from 6.30 to 7.30. We'll be here Tuesday and Thursday this week. Come and hang out. We'd love to have you. And then last thing before we jump into the message, uh, in about a month, a little over a month, we're going to have Night to Shine if you've ever been a part of Night to Shine, it's one of the coolest things that we do as a church family. It's just an outreach and opportunity for us to serve uh, a demographic, demographic who for the past few years have been impacted pretty big with COVID because we haven't been able to have this event. But it's a special needs prom. Anybody in the community is welcome to serve. Anybody in the community is welcome to be a part. We always start with church family. If you would love to come and help us roll out the red carpet, love and help us serve. We do limo rides and DJ and there's a dance party food. It's literally is is prom up in here and is the best it's the most fun uh to be able to serve that community we attach the vision and the mission of who we are as a church to why we do this it's an opportunity for us to share the gospel and the good news of jesus with people and tim tebow uh, uh the foundation is a, an amazing organization to be able to partner with you can register online for this if you want to help us and serve at that be dream team for night to shine cool we've been in a series in galatians 5 and uh, we've, been call, we've been talking a lot about overflow, the things that God does on the inside of us. It begins to spill out. And as we put on the character of Christ, as we look more like Jesus, we look like certain character traits, really virtues that God has for us. In Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. The fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You may have learned a song when you were growing up, okay? right? You may have a little song in your head right now. You're like, I know that because I have a song. So... So far, we've hit love, joy, peace. We hit that Christmas season, patience at the first of the year. That was last week. And then kindness today. Today, we're talking 
kindness. In a world where you can be anything, be kind. There's so many people who are rude, so many people uh, who lack manners and are uncivil, where there's more division than ever before. One of the ways for the people of God to stand out in your place of work, in your home, uh, out in the community, is just be kind. Like, what if you were just famous for being kind, right? That's the whole idea. Here's what God says about kindness. This is 1 Thessalonians 5.15. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. And, um, and in the Greek, everyone else is everyone else. That's what that means in the Greek, okay? So it's like everybody, right? So be kind all the time. Put it on. This is for everyone. And again, what if this was how we were marked as the people of God? The majority of the world, broader culture, the enemy will tell us, hey, just retaliate. They did that to you. Do that to them. They said that to you. Say this to them, right? And this is honestly in my flesh a lot of times this is where a lot of us can drift to. But, but the Bible tells us, uh, and, and here in 1 Thessalonians and then Paul and, and other places, just reminds us, hey, put on kindness. Like you should be set apart. You should treat each other different. That's what love requires of us. And so we become more like Jesus uh, when we ask him, hey, God, do a work inside of me. And as he begins to do a work on the inside of you, he shifts your motivation. He shifts your heart. And then the things that are on the inside begin to come out. You begin to, to be kind to the people around you. And so a majority of us, we spend a lot of time and energy trying to appear kind. <laughs> so how am I going to hold my face right now? And what am I going to say? And we're like rehearsing what we're going to say to certain people. Because certain people in our lives are just hard to be kind to. So we're just like, oh. And we're trying in our own strength to do it. But it's just so much easier if you just spend time with God and then let him make you more kind. And then you're just kind to people regardless of who they are. And what they've already said about you or done to you. Colossians 3.12 tells us, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Put it on. Put on kindness is what Colossians 3.12 tells us. And so I just was thinking, like, what? how awesome would it be? What, we would reach more people, serve more people, more people's lives would be changed if you and I were famous for kindness. If it, in your place of work, or in your neighborhood, what if out of every out of all your neighbors who are in your neighborhood? What if they were just like, I don't, I don't know if I buy what they're selling. I don't know if I believe what they believe. I don't know about the whole church thing. They are the kindest human being I've ever met in my life. What if that was like, you know, our marketing strategy for the church? Right? It was just just put on kindness and just be kind to who everybody. And so God's clear about what we should be known for. First Corinthians sixteen fourteen. Let all that you do. Be done in love. And if you were with us for the first week, we said uh, the fruits of the Spirit start with love. And the reason why Paul starts with love is because every other fruit, love is required for all the other fruits. And so out of the overflow of God, so really I can't even love God until I realize how much he loves me. We, we, hey, I love you because you love me first. But then out of the overflow of that, I begin to be kind. I begin to be patient. I begin to have self-control. Why? Because love requires it. And I can't be kind to people if I don't love them. Kindness is love in action. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. You might have all kinds of emotions and feelings, right, towards other, other people. But until you act on the kindness that you feel, you're not being kind. Being kind denotes that it is like it, there's an action attached to it. And so... Um, there's an opportunity for us to grow in the area of kindness. And in the, in the Bible, in Luke 10, there's a great story 
where Jesus encounters the teacher of the law who has some questions for him about the commands of God and about who it is that God wants us to become. And then Jesus gives a story in Luke chapter 10 about what kindness looks like and also about the response, the opportunities that you and I have to be kind and so often what our response looks like. It looks like this in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 29. If you have your Bibles, that's where we'll be. One day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus said. That's it. Nailed it. Right? Jesus told him, do this and you'll live. And the man was like, okay, cool. And then the man qualified his statement. He says this. Just to justify his action, he said, who's my neighbor? So, awesome. Love God with everything I got. Love my neighbor as myself. Jesus said, you got it. And then the guy's like, yeah, but who, but who do I have to, like, but for real, who? Like, is it Jews? Is it people who know Scripture? Is it people who are actually good people? Is it people, you know, who, who's my neighbor? And so you don't expect me to love my enemies, people who look different, act different, vote different, believe different. You don't expect me to treat everybody this way. Who's my neighbor? And so this guy's looking for a loophole. But love doesn't look for a loophole. And so many times you and I will hear the commands of God or the things that God wants for us in his word. And we go, yeah, but like, what are the limits, Lord? You know, like, what's the rule? Like, how far can I go? <laughs> and, and, he's, and Jesus is like, no, you're missing the point. Like, if you're asking those questions, you have missed the mark, right? You, you, you missed the point. You're making it about religion and rule following rather than letting me work over your heart and helping you to become more like God. And so um, this is a radical teaching from Jesus and what it means to love God and love others. And then Jesus, he tells him this story in response to his question, who is my neighbor? Jesus begins to tell him about a guy who was walking. And, uh, and in this story, he's walking on a road from Jericho to Jerusalem. And it's this road that's famous for, um, you know, it's, it's windy, it's curvy, it's, and it's remote. And so people would, that thieves and robbers would come in and they would jump people and take their goods. And it was just kind of a sketchy road, right, from Jericho to Jerusalem. And Jesus tells the story about a guy who's walking along and he gets mugged, he gets robbed, and he's beaten and, and he's literally left naked, half dead, in a ditch. All of his belongings are gone, broken dude. He's just face down in the ditch. And there's three people who come along. All three have a different response to this poor guy who's in the middle of this ditch. And that's where we pick up in the passage. Uh, there's three responses when there's an opportunity to be kind. And the first one is this. I can keep my distance. So if I see a need, if I see an opportunity to be kind... I can, I can keep my distance. Here's Luke 10, 30 through 31. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the road and passed him by. So there's a guy hanging out in the ditch, again, naked, half dead, broken dude, all of his stuff stolen. Priest comes along man of the cloth, walking down the same side of the road, sees that guy and is like, ooh, nah, I'm good, and walked on this side of the road and, and begin to walk this way. And I don't know if any of you have ever had that moment where you saw something like that, where you saw, you're like, ooh, that is going to cost me some time. I am late for this meeting. I ain't got no money for that. You know, so it's like you see a need and we're like, whoop, 
and we go there. Or this will hit home for you. You see somebody, like when you're out in public, you know, I've had this happen before, where, where people avoid you. Where you see, like you see somebody out in public, like at the grocery store or Target or someone, and you're just like, you see them on the opposite side, and you're like, whoa, no. A lot of times it's people who knew you in, in your life past, you know what I mean? People who knew you 20 years ago, like when you were in high school or whatever, and you're like, oh, snap. I ain't trying to, I'm not trying to have that moment today. So you walk on the other side of the grocery store. That's what this guy does. He sees, he sees this guy in the ditch. He decides, I do not want proximity to this brother. I don't want to see it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to be around it, right? So my response, I, I just want to keep my distance from this opportunity to be kind. And so coming off the past couple years, I feel like so many of us, uh, are distant. We struggle with proximity. I don't know what the landscape of family and friends have looked like for you over the past couple of years. It has shifted for us. It's probably shifted for you. People begin to pull away. Frequency of gatherings go down. Vulnerability. Sharing authentic life with one another. All these things are a result of the life that we've lived over the past few years. And the whole idea is if I don't get close to people, then I don't have to help, with, help them with the pain that they're going through. If I can keep everything superficial, right, that's better because if I get close to you, then I'm going to have to deal with some things, right? I'm going to I'm have to help you in some areas. And it's easier than ever for us to keep our distance from people. Social distancing has had an impact on our ability to human. And so my greatest encouragement to you, if you want to grow in the area of kindness, one of the things that we got to do is proximity. you got to get close. you got to get close. And so that's one of the things that we can do is, is we can pull away from people and and then another response that we see in Luke chapter 10 is we can be curious and uncaring. That's one of the responses that we can have when it's an, an opportunity to be kind. This is verse 32. A temple assistant, a Levite, walked over and looked at him lying there in the ditch, but he passed by on the other side. So this one's worse than the first. The first one is dude's walking along, sees him, and decides to go on the other side of the road. This brother was on the opposite side of the road, walks, sees somebody laying in a ditch, and is like, oh, man, that's crazy. Whoa. All right, that's nuts, yeah, and then just keeps walking, right? And, and so this one's, again, uh, an equally terrible response and not what God wants us to do. Um, and both the priest and the Levite, the reason why Jesus uses both of them is because they're highly religious people. But being religious doesn't make you kind. Attending a gathering doesn't make you kind. Reading your Bible in and of itself doesn't make you kind. Doing things does not make you kind. Being like Jesus makes you kind. So you could be religious all day long. And some of you, how many of you know religious people or people who would claim to be a Christ follower, just some of the hateful, nastiest people you've ever met in your, it's okay, it's cool, like we can be honest, right? And so just bad marketing. This is the reason why Apostle Paul in the New Testament writings, he's like, listen, if you say that you're a Christ follower, but your life looks like this, please stop telling people you're a Christ follower, it's bad marketing, right? And so it's kindness is really important for us to be able to put on and grow in. And listen, nobody's perfect. Some of y'all are stressed out right now. I'm like, I'm so unkind. So, so like, it, nobody's perfect. We're all in process. Let's grow in it together. So the Levite, the temple assistant, is curious and uncaring. He walks over, takes a peek, and once he realized the guy's state, he's thinking, I don't have time for that. And you and I, when we hear that, we're thinking, I would never do that. I would never walk up to somebody, see a really hot, broken situation, and be like, bye. Except, think about this. Every time you drive on the road, you ever driven by, like, a really bad wreck on the road? But you drive, like, real slow by the wreck? And then you keep driving. 
and then 30 seconds later, you forgot. And so uh, this is what we all do. We all love a train wreck. We all love, like, somebody else struggling because the thought is, thank God it's not me. Cool. What else have I got today, right? And so instead of, instead of seeing an opportunity to meet a need and be kind and have our agenda stayed and have our itinerary played around with a little bit, right, we're, we're unwilling a lot of time to stop. And so kindness stops. Kindness stops when it sees an opportunity. Um, a lot, of, a lot has been taught and said, and even in, in the back of your Bible, you have a map that shows like all the places that Jesus went. So the steps of Christ, here's all the places that Jesus has gone. But I love all the places in the gospel accounts where Jesus' agenda and his itinerary and, and his tracks and his mission, all that kind of stuff, it gets interrupted. That's my favorite. My favorite is when Jesus is going to place and then somebody comes out of nowhere and just stops Jesus just dropping a brother through the roof of this place, you know what I mean? Ladies just crawling through a crowd, bleeding, you know, pulling on Jesus' cloak, like all kinds of examples all throughout the gospel. Matter of fact, the majority of the miracles that take place in the gospel accounts happen because Jesus is interrupted. It, you and I perceive that he's interrupted. Son of man knew what was happening. As a matter of fact, his disciples are always a little bit stressed out whenever it happens, right? Like, oh, we got a, we got a time, Lord, we got to get where we got to get, you know? <laughs> like, and, and he's not stressed out about it. He's created margin. He knew this would happen. This is all part of the plan. And so um, I think that's what God wants for us. Um, we love to talk about other people's problems. We love, again, an opportunity for us to kind of crane our neck to look at the wreck or whatever took place. Um, we love to hear about the pain of others. And this is the reason why gossip TV shows and popular magazines, which are such garbage, this is the reason why they're so popular, is because, um, you know, we, we would rather listen about some celebrity that got divorced than deal with our own things. It makes us feel better by comparison, if we're being honest. And so um, it's not kind to celebrate other people's losses. It's not your win. Somebody else's loss is not your win. It's just a loss. And so we've just got to we've got to put on kindness and as a follower of Jesus, I'm not allowed to hate others. I'm insisted by God that I'm going to be kind, again, to everybody is what his word says. And that doesn't mean I have to agree with you. And that doesn't mean I have to share your worldview. It doesn't mean I have to approve of everything that you do. But I am commanded to treat everyone with dignity and respect and with kindness, everybody. So I don't, I don't, I don't have to agree with what you believe or your lifestyle or how you vote, your political persuasion, any of those kinds of things. But, or even if you're kind to me, as a matter of fact, I'll say this, God's going to ask you to be kind to people who are not kind to you. And the thought is, why am I doing this? It's not helping them. They're not being kind in return. He's doing it for you, <laughs> right? And so this is what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to uh, get closer so we can keep our distance. That's one response. I can be curious and uncaring. I can look in that ditch and decide, no, I'm good. I'm keep driving. Or I can show kindness. This is the third response that we see in Luke chapter 10, verse 33. A despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. So it's an insane scenario because Samaritans and Jews uh, hated each other. If you've been in church any length of time, you've heard this before, but I don't think you know to which degree. I mean, there's a phrase that Jews had that it's better to be a dog than a Samaritan. It's the equivalent, the Samaritan stopping to helping, helping the Jew who's beat up, bloodied on the side of the road is the equivalent to, to an African-American male about 80 years ago stopping to helping somebody, a, a white brother who's in the KKK, like, sit, like laying in the ditch. 
It's the equivalent to it's the equivalent to a Holocaust survivor stopping and helping a German soldier uh, who's in the ditch. Like that's on par with this scenario. There's no there's no category culturally for this scenario, which is exactly why Jesus uses it. So he makes the hero of his story a Samaritan. Jesus is a Jew, and he makes the hero of his story a Samaritan. And so uh, he goes on. This is Matthew seven twelve. Jesus is teaching, and he says, "Always treat others as you would like them." to treat you. This is the golden rule. This is what it means to love our neighbor as ourself. And so this guy comes along, Samaritan looks in the ditch and goes, I got to stop because I know what I would want. I know what I would want. And so he sees it. He sees it and he shows kindness. And why does any of this matter? It matters because Proverbs eleven seventeen reminds us that those who are kind benefit themselves, but cruel bring ruin on themselves. Those who are cruel bring ruin on themselves, which means a lot of times when we're kind, we think this is going to cost me something. It's going to cost me time. Oh, you know, like, and you know, I got to rework my schedule. got to like, I got to spend some money. I got, you know, and, but then Proverbs reminds us, no, this benefits you when you're kind. The way God designed this thing is when I'm doing, again, in step with the spirit, he's going to give you an opportunity to be kind. He will give you an opportunity to be kind today. So if, if I'm paying attention, my head's up, I'm seeing what God's doing, on, doing around me, I got an opportunity to be kind. And as I'm kind, he blesses me in that. Um, and, and the Bible tells us, we know this, that we reap what we sow. So many of us want kindness from others, but, we don't, but we're not kind. Isn't that funny? Like, you know people in your life, like, I don't know why they didn't invite me to the party. Anybody, nobody invite me to it. When's the last time you invited somebody to a party? Like, I don't know why they invite me to dinner. Like, you never invite anybody to dinner. Like, so you reap what you sow. Like, kindness. If I want people to be kind to me, the Bible tells me, hey, sow it. Sow kindness into other people's lives. Um, and so the question is, how do we do that? There's four steps that I see uh, in Luke chapter 10 as Jesus teaches through this passage. So this is the way, again, God's work is primarily God's work. So some of us are frustrated with the Christian life because we're trying to do the things in our own effort and our own strength. And the Bible reminds us, you can't. You're not that smart. So, again, I'm trying to be kind. I'm rehearsing what I'm going to say. I'm, like, really trying to smile. Like, I'm, you know, but, but, but God has to do a work on the inside of me. And the, and the Bible tells us what that looks like. Again, this was true of patience last week, every fruit of the Spirit that we've covered. He doesn't just, like, he doesn't just, like, we would love it if it was this way. It's like, Lord, just made me kind. It's just like, boop, 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 boop. And you're just, all of a sudden, I'm kind. Like, he gives you an opportunity to be kind. He gives you an, oppor- an opportunity to grow in kindness. And there's four ways uh, that we can grow. The first thing is that we see the needs of the people around us. This is Luke 10, Samaritan, as he traveled, came to the man, where the man was. And when he saw him, key part, proximity. When he saw him, he took pity on him. The reason why the priest and the Levite we're like, boop, I'm walking on the other side of the road. It's because they wanted, they wanted some distance. They didn't want proximity. And, and just being close to people allows you to get to a place to empathize, meet the needs, be kind to others, that not being close to them will not. Kindness always starts with an observation. You can't meet a need until you see one. And so um, I love it when we did, do y'all remember when we did, at the, we did at the movie series and we did that movie Wonder? And Augie in that movie, like at the end, he's, do, he's doing the bow and everybody's crying. I was a hot mess. Anyway, so he's bowing. He wins the school award. And, uh, 
And he says, be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Remember that one? And it's so true. Like, the, the opportunity that we have to, to see the needs of the people around us. Everybody in your life has a need. Everybody in your life would benefit from your kindness. You can, you, there, are, there are people who have experienced trauma. There, there are people who have experienced loss. There's people who have experienced hard things. Maybe even this week at work, in your family, out in the community, on your row. Like right now in this room, on your row, there are people who need that. They need kindness, and they need what you have to offer. So kindness always starts with an observation, looking and seeing the opportunity to be kind to people. And so often we don't see the wounds and the opportunity to help others because so many of us like to hide. So how are we doing? Everything good? Oh, everything's great. Everything's great. Oh, it's great. Praise God, right? And so it's like, meanwhile, your life is a train wreck. Like, this is, but it's just like, we, we like to hide. We like to pretend. But I, I, but I believe, too, like, uh, there's a gift of discernment. There's, there's people in your life who you're close to. You know they're struggling. Like, they can say whatever. You know they're struggling. There's telltale signs. So look for opportunities to be kind. Lean in. So some of it is we hide from people, and then some of it is we're, we're also in such a hurry. We're in such a hurry that we miss the opportunity to be kind. I, I can't see you if I'm just running past you. Um, Christmas Eve services is a great example. We had our Christmas Eve services in, in here, and one of the services, we had a young lady who's on our dream team come in, and she was just in tears, got another team member, got another guy who's a part of what we do, and, and there, was a, there was a homeless man who was about a half a mile up the road and was just laying on the side of the road just yelling. And, and increasingly yelling less and less and just kind of laying there on the side of the road. And so Josh went in his vehicle went and, go, and went to go check out this guy who was laying on the side of the road. And uh, he had been laying there for two hours just asking for somebody to help him. It was nine degrees, if you remember, um, that day. And so he's for, nine, for two hours just laying there. And he said when he picked him up, the guy was stiff. And, and put him in this vehicle, took him to a shelter, Got him, you know, got him situated. But it was just like, how many people drove by in a hurry? We're all in a hurry that season, just every single day. Drove by, maybe even saw the man, but just thought, I don't have time for that. So I need to see the needs of people around me. In order to do that, i got to slow down a little bit. Some of us, the way to become more like Jesus, the way to become more kind is to look at your overpacked schedule and create margin. You need to trim fat on things that really ultimately aren't priority. People are a priority. Hear me. Your family is a priority. Your marriage is a priority. Your kids are a priority. And the people that work with you, alongside of you, for you, under you, whatever, uh, over you are a priority. We need to, when we see an opportunity to serve people, we need to do what we can to go, how much, how important is this thing that I'm after that I'm chasing in relationship to this individual who I get an opportunity to serve? And I've got to trust God with my calendar i got to trust God with his timing just like I trust him with my finances or just like I trust him with my salvation. i got to trust that he can just, like, work out the whole schedule thing. I'm going to be late. I was helping somebody. I was being kind. I was, you know, like, and, and just create margin for it. And so uh, this is 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Look out for the good of one another, for each other. So the first way for me to grow in kindness is I've got to be aware of the needs around me. Got to be aware. 
Uh, everybody's hurting. Everybody's going through hard things. Pay attention. God, lift our heads. Help us to see what you see. And uh, some of us are usually better at this than others. Right? Uh, you may know people who are really good at paying attention, seeing the need, and, and even doing this next thing. The next step in growing in kindness is to be able to sympathize with people's pain. So if I see their pain, now all of a sudden I begin to sympathize with their pain. This is verse 33. The despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. He didn't feel compassion for him until he, he saw him. But then all of a sudden he begins to feel compassion. The Bible tells us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. In other words, if you have some things to celebrate in your life, I need to be at the party turning up with you, celebrating your wins. But also, if you're having a hard time, if you're in a broken season, if you're experiencing loss or suffering or pain or sickness or whatever, I need to be there. I need a ministry of presence that says, I'm trying to build empathy. I'm trying to put my place in, it put me in your shoes so that I can build empathy and that compassion that the Bible talks about. And so how do we do that? It's two words. Listen better. Listen better. And I'm preaching at myself right now, okay? As one who primarily is not, I mean, uh, our marriage is a great example. Brooke, of the two of us, phenomenal listener. Just, you could be in a crowd, a sea of people, and Brooke is like right here. She, like, she's listening. She's hanging on your words, everything. I am, and you may be married to this individual, am primarily concerned with how do I fix this situation what advice do you now need? Okay, I have the answers. Let me tell you all about it. Like, that's my, that's my, and uh, <laughs> knowing laughter. So, uh, so that's, that's my, that's my, own, so pray for me big time, right? Pray for me. But I would say, guys, in general, I would say men are not good at this. And I'm being stereotypical right now because I can. I'm a guy, right? I can, I can, I can throw shade on uh, my fellow men in the room. But I would say, in general, men have an opportunity to grow in the area of listening. And all my ladies in the room said, amen and amen. Okay, so it's just like, but, but I th so fellas, I think, we need to, I think we need to get to a place where, um, where we go back to like first dating listening. If you remember back in the season where you were first dating. And, oh man, if she said something, you were like, okay, cool, avocados. Okay, I'm going to nod. I'm going to nod. Okay, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm. Right, stay up to three o'clock on the phone, listen to each other breathe. I mean, you just like you just dialed in, right? Now, now you get married ten years later. What happens? You look at her ten years later and you realize, oh, she just said something. She's looking at me with that look, like she's waiting on me to reply. I what? She just said something, right? And I'm a jerk. I'm a class A jerk. I don't know. I don't even know she was speaking, right? Right. So it's like you went from. Went from, uh, you know it, you know it's true. So it's like, and it's not kind. I just want to say this, it's not kind. And again, we all have things that we got to grow in. So we're all in process. I'm just saying it's not kind. Also, ladies, as we grow in our kindness, come on, extend some grace to be kind as we are unkind to you and we're growing in our ability to listen better. But listening is, is a key thing. Um, just stop talking. Stop trying, fellas, stop trying to fix everything. I figured this out too as my, my girls have grown. Now I have teenage daughters who have educated me in, in ways that, I mean, their mama's been saying it for years, but it's like, it just hits different when you have multiple women in your household telling you to be quiet. So it's just like, I don't need you to tell me I'm good. I just want you to listen. 
So you don't really care if it gets fixed. Like you don't, oh, okay, cool. Yes, I'm here, right? So it's just, just listen, listen better. And then, um, and then something else on listening is, is everybody you know needs to be both, they need to be heard. You need to listen to them, but they also need to be understood. Um, They need to know that you understand what they're saying. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean you have to share their worldview. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, again, us as the people of God, us as followers of Jesus, primarily you need to be pointing people back to truth. And yet, I need, to, I need to empathize with your pain. I need to be able to put my place in your shoes and think, oh, this is why you feel that way. This is why you think that way. This is why you're going through what you're going through. So when it comes to sympathizing with people, uh, I don't need to look at, you know, people that are hard for me to love, hard for me to serve, hard for me to be kind to. I don't need to look at how far you have to go. I need to look at all your potential. I need to look at, if you're a follower of Christ, I need to look at, man, look how far God's brought you so far. Look at all the amazing things that God's done in your life. Or look at all the amazing potential that God has for you. Again, primarily seeing people the way that Jesus sees people. Not, man, you, you are struggling. Like, you got a long way to go. Instead of, hey, you, got, you, look at, you have all the potential in the world. Look at what God can do in and through your life. And so all of us, just like the Apostle Paul, should say, thank God I'm not who I was. I am who I currently am. And thank God I'm not who I'm going to be in Christ. So, again, we're all in process. God, help me to grow in the area of kindness. And so uh, I need to see the needs of people around me. I need to sympathize with people's pain. Here's the, the third one is I need to seize the moment to help people. Verse 34, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He went directly to this brother and just started helping him. He didn't think, I don't have time for this. I'm going to come back tomorrow and see if he's still here or uh, this is not when I normally do these things, right? So he just sees the moment. There's an opportunity in a window to be kind. When someone's going through a hard thing and they share hard things with you, there's an opportunity for you in that moment to bring encouragement, to bring a word of encouragement, to lift their head, to speak truth and life over them, to remind them of God's promises in that moment in a way that if you do it later, it still hits, just not the way that it does in that moment. There's a window to kindness. There's an opportunity for me to be kind in a way that just hits different. And again, it's, it's God shifting my agenda, God shifting my itinerary, my, my willingness uh, to be interrupted. Um, so this is Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. As you have an opportunity, and opportunities will present themselves because the Spirit of God will just make it so. Again, part of the practice in this season of 21 days of prayer and fasting, part of the practice in this season where we're focused on Galatians 5, God, would you give me, like, help lift my head and see opportunities that have probably been there every single day. I just ain't paying attention. There's people who are struggling in my life right now, and I need you to do something in my spirit so that out of the overflow of what you're doing in me, it impacts the people around me. As we have opportunity, whenever there's an opportunity to be kind, that is the time to be kind. And so, second thing on seizing the moment in kindness is we need to move beyond our fears. You're going to have an opportunity as God um, asks you to be kind to an individual to move beyond your fears, fears that they're not going to reciprocate. Fear, I want you to think about the guy who's in the ditch and the Samaritan who walks up and he looks at the Jew in the ditch and he's thinking all kinds of things. Road from, from Jerusalem to Jericho, he's thinking, okay, he got mugged, he's beaten, 
naked, half dead in a ditch. Where, like the group that did that to that guy could do it to me. If I go over to where he's at, I don't know exactly where those people are. I don't know if this is a setup, if this is a trap. Again, I'm a Samaritan. He's a Jew. If I go over to help them and then somebody walks up while I'm helping him and I'm a Samaritan and he's a Jew, they're going to think I mugged this joker. They're going to think I beat him up. I'm going to get sued, right? And they begin to think through all the things, all the reasons as to why you can't help people. You and I do this all the time. Where, we, where God presents an opportunity for us to be kind, and then we begin to excuse away all the reasons why we can't do it. Instead of, Holy Spirit said this to me, I know it. I'm going to do it even though it doesn't fit my time, my agenda, sometimes even my budget. Budgets are great. Steward things all day long. But God owns it all, and he's just like, hey, I need you to, I need you to use that real quick and trust me with all of the things that I've given you. Trust me with that. And I've got an opportunity in a window to be kind. I've got to seize that opportunity. This is Proverbs 3, 27 through 28. It says, do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Have you ever done that before? Where somebody asks you for something and you knew you were probably going to say yes, but you were just like, yeah, let's just do that later. Let's just let's do that later. I don't really want to deal with that right now. Right, And that's what he's saying. Hey, there's an opportunity in a moment. Don't delay. So this is what it looks like. When somebody loses a loved one, when somebody loses a loved one, show up now. Send the text now. Go to the wake now. Be present. When, when someone gets bad news, reach out to them then. Don't wait. Call them, show up, do whatever. It's like, it's like well, I don't know if they, you know... It, we're so anxious about what other people, instead of knowing, hey, I know what kindness requires of me, and I'm just going to do it regardless of whether people welcome it or not. I'm bringing you a casserole on Tuesday, right? So, like, I'm just doing it, right? And so, uh, so show up. When someone's having a hard time, the window to be the most kind is closing, and there's an opportunity and a chance where it's going to hit the hardest. And, and we ask questions like, what if I don't know what to say? What if what they're going through is just the hardest thing ever, and it's just... Listen, the harder the thing that you're going through, the deeper the pain that that individual is going through, the less words you need. Just show up. Show up. Write this down. Show up and shut up. That's a, just a ministry of presence is so good. Again, primarily as someone who has all the words, one of the best things I've learned for people who are mourning, people who are in the hospital, people who have lost a loved one, is they don't, need, they don't need a deep theological lesson. They don't need me to give them all the things. They don't need me. To, they just need me to be. Need me to listen. Need me to pray for them in a simple way, not just so I can hear myself pray. They need me to. They need me to say, "Hey, I love you. I'm here." Show up. There's a window, and so uh, as we do that, as we see the need, God grows us in the area of compassion and sympathy. Then we seize the opportunity to help this individual, and then look at look at four. We spend whatever it takes. Spend whatever it takes. And again, our thoughts are, see, I knew it. I knew, I knew it. I was going to do kindness, but then you started talking about how much it costs. And then it's like, but again, it's a perceived cost because God owns it all. So the thought is, I'm going to have to reorient my schedule. I'm going to have to, but spend whatever it takes in order to be kind in the way that God's calling you to be kind. Kindness will require your time, your energy, your emotional equity, your money. It might even require a sacrifice of your reputation because the people that you're being kind to, other people are like, why are they being kind to them? 
Why are, they, why are they hanging out with him? Jesus was never concerned about guilt by association. The son of man, when he's here, if you get the reputation as a drunkard and a glutton, why is he breaking bread with those people? Why is he spending time with those people? Because his primary motivation isn't the popularity or, or being politically correct or whatever. His primary motivation was people. He's loved people. He's going to be kind, to, again, to everybody. And so this is Luke 10, 34 through 35. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, which means the vehicle that this guy once had, no longer has, he's walking and now the guy's on the donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. He doesn't even know the guy. He doesn't even know him. He stops everything. He stops his whole schedule, stops on the side of the road. Guy's bleedy, neck, naked. He goes, that's a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. This is a bad scenario, right? And but he just, he stops and he serves the guy. I had a place to go. I had a place to be. He doesn't even have what he needs. He doesn't even have first aid kit. He, Bible tells us he pours wine on this brother and oil. Dude had a salad in his saddlebag. You know what I mean? Like he was just like, whatever I got. And oils, uh, antiseptic, you're right. He just like, he's like, oh, that'll, that'll clean the wound and the oil will smooth over the wound. What did he put the, what did he use for a bandage? Bible doesn't tell us. What did he use for a bandage? His own shirt, I guarantee you. And so he puts this guy on his own donkey, takes him to the inn. Hey, here's my money. Hey, this is so inconvenient. Hey, anything he needs, he's got it. And Jesus tells this story knowing that this, this is who Jesus is. That Jesus is the good Samaritan. That Jesus comes along and looks and you and I are bloodied and broken and, and half dead in a ditch in desperate need of salvation. And, and he doesn't need anything from us, but he decides to get into our situation and get involved and it costs him everything. For your salvation, for your restoration, for your healing, for your future, it costs them everything. And so that's what kindness, that's what the loving kindness of God does is it sacrifices. But it's a perceived sacrifice. And ultimately, Jesus is the name above every other name. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus makes a way and redeems life for me and for you. And so the, the Good Samaritan, he doesn't even know the guy. He's putting him on his vehicle, on his donkey, using all of his supplies, giving him his time and his money. And then Jesus looks at everybody listening to this story, and here's what he says. Here's the response, verses 36 and 37. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You want to be kind? Go do it. it. It is an action. It is love in action. It is being kind to the people around you, seeing the need. We were talking about, as a family, um, goals and, and resolutions. We don't do resolutions, but goals and just kind of things that we want to see happen uh, in our family over the course of this year. And one that Brooke said, she said, uh, I'm asking God to grow me in the area of seeing needs. Like seeing opportunity to meet people's needs in our community, people who are close to me, people. I just want to have more of that perspective. And I think that's, that's how we grow in kindness. We have to start with seeing what we didn't want to see to begin with. 
Let me walk on the other side of the road. I want to avoid that like the plague. Instead of, um, God, you brought this to me. I'm, I'm here. And I, grow me in empathy. Grow me, grow me. Give me some compassion over to this individual. Help me to see myself in their situation. Not judge them, but think, how hard has your life been that you're in the situation that you're in currently? What have you gone through? What have you been through? What happened to you? And then give me, give me over to just seize the moment and the window of opportunity that I have to be kind and be willing to go all in. Trust you with my agenda and my, my calendar and my resources. And then watch it, man. What if we, that, what if that's, that's, that would bring so many people to Christ. You're preaching that message. Me preaching that message would win so many souls. So many people would just be excited about the things of God if they saw us look more like Jesus in the area of kindness. He tells us to go and do likewise. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for the way you love us, God. Thank you for the privilege that it is to gather as your church. And thank you for this message and kindness. Jesus, thank you that you are the greatest message and kindness. God's loving kindness made manifest among us. You walked, you talked, you lived. You stopped when people grabbed on your robe. You stopped when it was inconvenient. You stopped when little kids ran up to you. You stopped and, I mean, you, you stopped for tax collectors. You stopped for sinners. You stopped for, you stopped for us. And you stepped out of divinity and into our humanity because you saw a need. And God, in your compassion, now you clothe yourself in human flesh. And there's a window in the fullness of time you came when it was the right time. And, and you gave everything. In your loving kindness, you gave everything so that we could be restored. And so, God, would you give us over that same heart for people, that same vision? Holy Spirit, I pray right now today you give us an opportunity to be kind. It's bold prayer. We see it every, every single day we have an opportunity, but give us eyes to see the opportunities to be kind to people, to give them a word of encouragement, to hold that door, to smile, to pay for that cup of coffee, to serve that individual. God, even when it's radical, God, even that person needs a place to live, come and live with us. That person needs a vehicle, you can have my car. That person, God, give us over to a radical obedience in you and a trust that you own it all. Our time, our talent, our treasure, our relationships, you own it all. Help us to steward it well, but also when you ask for it, help us to hand it over so that we can, loving, we can love people in our kindness. If you're here and you've never come to faith in Christ, you've never surrendered your life to him, but today you just see how kind God is. The Bible tells us it's God, God's loving kindness that draws you to repentance. God's not mad at you, but it's God's loving kindness that brings you to a place that you realize that you need what Jesus has to offer. And if you're here today and you want to make a decision for Christ, you want to surrender your life to Jesus, or maybe you've just been struggling in this season for a long time, maybe you grew up in church, you've done some things, kind of you've talked about Jesus, heard about Jesus, maybe even uh, experienced a prayer or a moment at an altar before, but you just know, man, I need to get right with God. I need, to, I need to surrender my life. I need to come back to a place where he's Lord and Savior of my life. I'm missing that. And if that's you today, I would love to, love to lead you in a prayer. Jesus saved you 2,000 years ago. The moment of your personal salvation is when you realize you need Jesus. I need the kindness that he offers. I need him as Lord and Savior of my life. And if that's you today and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, just while all of our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, we just raise your hand in the room and just say, that's me. I need Jesus. I need to surrender my life to him. I need the loving kindness that he offers me. And, uh, and I know that this is my moment. It's my opportunity. The Holy Spirit speaking to me. I see your hand. Yes. Yeah. 
whoever that is, wherever you're at in this room, just say, Jesus, I, I give you my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for pursuing me. And God, I give you my life. God, I surrender my life. Help me to become more like you. Do a great work on the inside of me that spills out into the lives of others. Take all of my sin and my brokenness and my baggage, past, present, and future. God, help me to become. Help me to be in process, really surrender my life to you. My hopes, my aspirations, my dreams, my calendar, my agenda. And, and just give me over to more, the more that you have for me. God, do the same thing for us as your church family. Lord, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.